Welcome to another ATP podcast. I'm Seb Lozier, and this week we are at the Mutua Madrid Open, which is running for the first time this year over two weeks in a new Grand Slam format. Coming up, we will hear from two former champions here, Alexander Zverev and Andy Murray. We also have world number three, Daniel Medvedev. Nobody's won more matches or titles than him this year. And champion of Munich just last week, birthday boy this week, Holger Rune. There's also a rising star from Jordan, Abdella Shelbe. And with the women also in action here, we have the coach of the world number three, Jessica Bagula. That is David Witt. But first, a man who is definitely in form after claiming his very first Masters 1000 title in Monte Carlo. Just over a week on from that victory, I asked Andrei Rublev how he's feeling. I don't know. I feel, I feel the same, of course. I feel a bit looser, let's say, because you did something that you were looking for a long time and you feel a bit less weight on the shoulder, but... I feel the same because there is so much work I need to do and uh, yeah, now we're already in Madrid and you have to be already focused again because the players are very motivated and uh, this year I think we have much, 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 much more players who are fighting for these top spots and uh, yeah, Rafa is, didn't yet come back and he will come back and as soon as he will come back it will be a problem as well. So, you know, there is no time even to think. You have to be really, really focused to be able to don't lose yeah, the moment and to don't fly away from, from, the, <laughs> from this spot. I want to ask you about Madrid and also playing on the clay, but before I do, just thinking back to Monte Carlo, because you've been wanting to win one of these for so long. Yeah. Talk, talk me through the last few games against Holger. How are you feeling? Uh, the last few games, I mean, when I was losing, I was thinking, it's over. I lost one more final. I guess it's meant to be. Uh, maybe next time I can do better or something. And the same time I was saying, okay, at least lose this match, but lose this match at least with the feeling that uh, you give all the effort till the end because maybe, I don't know, maybe you will have a little chance to come back or something. And then, uh, yeah, I was able to come back. And then, I don't know, the, when these two games from five wall, I was not in the moment. I was thinking, I was trying to think about anything else, but not only on the game because as soon as you think that 6-5 you go to surf for the master it's like it's tough to you start to think too much so I was thinking about anything else the mountain the people the crowd or the the blue sky I don't know whatever just to don't think about the like at the moment and in the end yeah the as soon as because in the beginning when I at 40-15 I make this surf I didn't realize the ball was in. I was like looking at the referee and like, you know, and no one say out. And then it's like completely yeah, relief. Well, it was a fantastic win. Hon honestly, did you expect your first Masters win and your first big title to come on clay? Mm, I mean, I expect everything and I don't expect anything at the same time. Like, I, I, like I was saying many times, I was just... For me, the most important thing is to focus 
what I can do better. And that's it. And if I will be able to do it better, I will have better level. Most likely I will have better results. And then you don't know where and when maybe you will show these results. Maybe you're going to lose everything in the beginning and then suddenly you do something good or opposite. You do some un unreal, result unreal results and then you next part of the season you do terrible and that happens. So you cannot control which tournament you would like to win and you know there is no bottom okay i choose this tournament and you win it you know maybe you want this one badly but you don't perform well and then suddenly another tournament you don't expect at all you do you do you do your best so that's why i didn't expect and at the same time i was believing that i need to do my job and then there will be any can be any week that maybe i will do something good you've had a great two weeks title another final What's the secret for you to playing your best on clay? There is no secret. I mean, no secret at all. I don't know. I guess I was just lucky that two weeks was just maybe my moment for that two weeks. But now it's a new, new tournament, new week, and, and we don't know. Technically, physically, do you find the transition to clay difficult or okay? It's different. I don't know if it's difficult transition or not, but you have to do different things, that's for sure. And then, I mean, if you try to play on clay like on hard, then it, transition is difficult because you're not going to do well. And then it looks like you're not adapting. And, but if you, if you try to do transition on clay by doing something, what you need to do on clay, it's just different approach, you know, it's like when you go on cross, it's different, uh, you have to be more lower, you have, it's tough to move, so you have to move a bit different, so it's like adapting. And if you adapt for any surface the way it should be, it's just different, it, it's, I don't know, it's, there is, for, at least for me it's not, it's not about difficult or, or not difficult, it's just different. And is the transition and the difference on clay as much mental in a way, preparing yourself just to get in the fight, battle a little bit longer? Uh, yeah, I would say, like I was saying many times, for me, the, the real tennis is on clay. Because here, it counts everything. It counts how you're thinking, it counts which tactic are you playing, the selection of the shots, your physical, yeah, your physical level at the moment. Because you have to be, you have to have good endurance because to be able to play long rallies maybe for two and a half hours sometimes there is no easy to find a winner and you have to be ready and yeah and maybe you do one match like this and then you need to think oof tomorrow i have to do the same and it's like oof like sometimes you prefer to have something like hard or, or grass where you know you do one surf two shots and you don't need to think you know and on clay is like okay you did this one match but then you have to do another and it's like all the tournament like this you know and uh, and it's yeah and it's for me it's more real things because here normally if you prepared better you have more chances for better results the man rublev beat in the rolex monte carlo masters final was dane holger runer who followed that run with a title in munich one last title as a 19-year-old before turning 20 here in Madrid. And alongside him, as ever, his mum, Annika. Yes, it's so nice. Last year it was in Munich, 
uh, this year we're in Madrid, so it's good, yes. So you're hoping for another title then? If he won Munich last year, now you're in Madrid this year? Yes, absolutely. Can you quite believe how much Holger has achieved while he's been 19? I mean, how has he done all of this? I think for us in, in the team, it's, it's like step by step. So it's not like there hasn't been any surprises because he, he, you know, he develops a little all the time. And, and now it's just bigger titles. Two years ago, it was maybe a challengers. And before that, it was future titles, which was for us in the team still big, looking at his level. So it's just like now the results matches the level he has today. And what's it like for you as his mum watching all these matches? You, you seem to follow pretty much every tournament. Yes, I do. Uh, and uh, it's uh, pretty exciting every time to, to watch. Sometimes I actually think it's worse watching than being on court. But uh, we manage. It's good. Runa playing in Madrid for the first time after Munich provided another first, a maiden title defence. It feels very good. Um, it's obviously the first time I've done it, and uh, you know it's a little bit stressful when you when you walk into this kind of situation. But then again, you feel very good coming back to a place where you had success. Um, and yeah, I enjoy to play in Munich. I like the conditions. It's uh, you know very Danish. You know the whole weather and, and everything. So it's cool and uh, happy that I could uh, defend it. Two five down, saving four championship points. What's what's going through your head in those situations? A good question, man. <laughs> Honestly, just to fight, you know, to, to you know, try to be in there as long as possible. Um, and I, I had the final against Rublev in Monte Carlo the week before, and, and I thought that's what he did. He was just fighting until the end, keep believing. So I, I tried to tell myself the same thing, and uh, luckily it worked. You know, it's, it's obviously also a little bit of luck and, and you know, stuff here and there, but uh, happy that I could have uh, found a way to win. Yeah, Monte Carlo, I was going to ask you about the last Masters, obviously a, a little bit bittersweet for you, but um, still, making the final, getting first victories against guys like Dominic Thiem, Daniel Medvedev, how big did that feel? It felt very good. It was, uh, for me, the perfect way to start the clay season. Um, I really like to play in Monaco, and, and to be the guy like Dominic, he's so strong on the clay, he, he feels confident there, was 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 a great first round. It was a lot of effort. I remember after the first match, I told my coaches and, and team, like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's just one match, you know. But it shows how much he puts you under pressure. And then uh, beating Medvedev, you have to think a lot because he's a, you know, I would say a chess player on the court a little bit. He, he makes you play in different and, and you know, yeah, different situation. And uh, you have to be really sharp. And, and luckily I was. You seem to have built a real resilience already, which Mentally, I think lots of people maybe think is, is really impressive at the age of 19. What, what's been the secret to that? Really just, I, I've gotten the chance to show my passion on the court and, and show, you know, who I am when I play. And I like it, you know, it's, it's, it's a part of, you know, you know, also my game style to have this energy on the court. Um, and it's, you know, I, I play good when I'm, when I'm pumped on the court and, and, and obviously you know, show some emotions, but, but I, I enjoy to play this way. And in terms of playing on the clay, you obviously like the clay. How do you rank it in terms of the other surfaces? And, and, and what is your approach really when you get onto the dirt? When you get onto the clay, it's first I'm very excited because it's going to be longer rallies. You can slide, you get more dirty and stuff. And it's fun, you know, I like it. It's, uh, it's different. But again, I mean, I really like hard courts. I like grass. Uh, I like every surface, but clay is... is it's very different, you know, the bounce is higher and obviously every 
clay tournament is kind of different because the surface, the weather, everything is different, but it's also a good challenge. You know, you get to adjust uh, a lot, but also it's exciting. And this fortnight in Madrid, another reminder really of how fast everything is happening. Your first Madrid, world ranked seven. How are you enjoying Madrid and, and the conditions which are pretty special here? I enjoy it a lot. I really like the city. I've been in Madrid uh, when I was a kid, but not for the tournament. So it's great. I, I always looked at this tournament because I like to play in altitude. I like to play in, in fast condition. And this is what we have here. It's, uh, it's great. I really like the site so far. It's, it's very like compact and, and you have the courts, great fans, and, and it's super cool. So I'm, I'm super excited to start. And how do you think the conditions are going to help you? I think it's going to help me, you know, on my surf. Um, you know, I, I put the spin on the surf and, and the bounce is extremely high here. Um, and I feel like the one who takes the control of the point has a better chance of winning here more than other places, I would say. So it's all about, you know, of course, taking a few chances, but, you know, just going for it. And just finally, you speak a bit of Spanish, well enough to yeah. talk to the crowd? I can say a few words, you know, after I can say muchas gracias and, and stuff like this. I can say a little bit. We'll look forward to hearing that. Thank you. Thank you, Holger. Madrid has been a happy hunting ground for Alexander Zverev. The big German is back from injury and looking forward to getting things going on the courts that have brought him titles in 2018 and 2021. Usually it means the start of uh, <laughs> normally my good clay court season because the weeks before I usually don't play my best. And uh, the last few years I always came here with an early loss in, in Munich and uh, played extremely well here. So um, I'm trying to find my form. I'm trying to, uh, to get close to, to what it was last year and hopefully it will be another great two weeks for me. Of the two wins here, which is the more special looking back? The first one or, or the second where you beat Rafa on the way? They're both special because the first one I didn't lose a single set and I didn't drop serve once. I think that was quite historic. I think the last time that happened on a clay court tournament was like 1990 or something like that. But the second one, I was coming back from a little bit of a, of a rough patch. Uh, in 2019, I didn't play my best. 2020, the COVID year where uh, I was two points away from, from winning uh, the US Open. So that was a bit difficult for me. Um, and then I think Madrid or maybe Acapulco and then Madrid was kind of the starting point of the best season of my career. Um, so in that, in that way, it was very special. I think the players that I beat in 2021 were, were even more special because I think I beat Nishikori, I beat Rafa, I beat Dominic and I beat Veratini. I think that's, that's quite, a, quite a tough uh, tournament. You mentioned you're getting back to your best tennis. Through these kind of hard times, how much do you think back to those big wins in places like this to get yourself in the frame of mind to win those matches again? It, it, it gives something because it, it does make me realize that if I get back to 100%, that's where I can be, right? It's all about me getting back. And um, I know the player that, that I was and I, I know that I can get back there. Um, how long it will take, that is up to me, that is up to God in a way. And um, yeah, we will see how it goes. Looking at your record, you're also a player who you've won multiple tournaments more than once, which you know, Madrid, Munich, Cologne, Washington, the Tour Finals. Other players, for example, Daniel, have, have never done that. Do you build an affinity with a place when you win there? I think there's places that suit some players better than others. Um, I think the terms that you mentioned, they just suit me very well. So 
um, it's also kind of like a comfortable place where you're going back and you know that you're going to play well. It, it's also a mentality thing, I think. Um, yeah, and some places are definitely better than others. I mean, I won Munich 2017, 2018, and since then I won two matches there. So, you know, I kind of have to get that feeling back. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely other places where, where you feel like, okay, you're going to step on the court, you're going to feel better than the previous week. And the conditions here too suit you. T talk to me about why. It's always very warm. Um, and obviously I think the altitude is, is a big factor because I think um, for me, for my game style, I love playing on clay, but I need fast conditions. I need uh, somewhere where, where I can play my aggressive play style that I want to play. Um, and I think uh, Munich is also high altitude and also the, the years that I've won there, the, the weather was incredibly warm. <laughs> so, so um, yeah. I think that is more of a guarantee here in Madrid where you know the, the weather will always be great. And just finally, as, as the weeks go by, how much better, how much stronger are you feeling and what are your expectations here this week? I mean, some, some weeks I feel so close. I've, some weeks I feel like I can win the tournament again. Some weeks, I mean, like Indian Wells, I feel like if I get, can get past that Medvedev match, uh, I can end up in the final and I play the final against Alcaraz. You know, Monte Carlo, same thing. And then there's obviously weeks like uh, Miami where I get a little bit injured, uh, there's weeks like Munich where I don't quite play uh, my best tennis again and then you, you feel like you're f so far away again. So for me I think it's about winning those matches right now. It's about winning uh, those very tight matches against great opponents and then, uh, then you can say you're back but uh, you definitely need to win one or two of those. Zverev and Runa both very comfortable on the clay but that's not the case for everyone. Young American Ben Shelton had never played on the dirt before Estoril three weeks ago. You'll hear from him shortly but first here's the world number three Daniel Medvedev who's famously more comfortable on other surfaces. I don't like clay too much but uh, I completely understand that it's normal that uh, we have it uh, in the circuit that we have clay grass and hard courts I think it's good good for tennis that it's uh, diversified because uh, we do have some uh, clay court specialists that can be uh, top 30 top 40 just by playing good on clay we saw this or even higher uh, we do have some hard specialists, we have some grass court ones and I think uh, that's normal. Uh, to be honest, even grass maybe could have been, uh, even if I prefer hard courts, maybe a little bit longer because that's a shorter period of the year. Uh, but yeah, I definitely prefer hard courts. <laughs> Why doesn't it suit your game and how hard have you been working to try and sort of get the better of this surface? I would like to work harder because uh, this year, as I said, I didn't have uh, uh, enough days to, to prepare well on clay. Uh, like I did some previous years uh, and it did work sometimes, you know, to work uh, everything from my side is a little bit worse on clay. My movement, which is surprising because usually people move better on clay than on hard courts. I actually slide better on hard courts than on clay, which is a little bit ridiculous, but it is what it is. Uh, my, my flat strokes are going through, uh, going less through the ground. So there are a lot of actually technical issues for me playing on clay and that's what I'm always trying to adapt and sometimes I was able to play good so hopefully I can do it this year. Just explain in general terms what it is that's so different about the surface for, for any player like you know in terms of your physicality of movement and also tactically as well. I could talk for hours but uh, uh, first of all you have to adjust much more to every shot because every bounce can be a bad bounce and you can never know when it's coming so even when it's actually a good bounce 
you can consider it as a bad bounce because you are always ready to see where the ball is going. And even if it's going in a normal direction, you're still surprised because you're like, okay, that time it decided to, to bounce good. And some players actually have are very easy uh, in uh, adapting to this. I can see it, like you hit a good serve on the line, the ball doesn't bounce, he's just fast enough. That's not my case. I, for whatever reason, uh, I like when it's, uh, you know, when it's a clean uh, stroke. That's what I needed my game. And that's what I cannot get on clay courts. Uh, it bounces higher, which I, I'm not sure I like because my flat ball bounces higher and I don't need it. Uh, what else do we have? Yeah, and the movement is definitely different because you have to slide well enough to stop in a good moment and to be ready for the next shot. And that's what sometimes I do not good enough. It's really important to be patient. Uh, you have to be patient out on the court. Um, it's a lot more physically uh, demanding playing on clay court. And uh, I think that it's important to, uh, to stay locked in mentally just because points can go longer and games can go longer, which, which make the matches a lot longer. So being able to focus for that extended period of time is really important. Do you think your, the clay suits your game? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of parts of playing on clay that, uh, that help um, different areas of my game. Uh, there's definitely things that I need to work on to become a great clay court player, but I'm really excited to uh, continue to improve on the surface and yeah, play many years at these tournaments. You know, if, if you actually go from playing clay courts in the US and to playing clay courts here in Europe, is there a difference? Yeah, I mean, I think there is a big difference. Um, I've been able to play at a lot of the uh, great clubs in Europe so far, so the courts have been in amazing condition, um, great bounces and you know, everything is easy at, this, at these clubs. They have big crews taking care of the courts. Um, in the U.S. mostly, I've played on green clay. It varies from surface to surface, but it definitely isn't thought about this, uh, the same um, in the U.S. compared to here. But yeah, it's, it's been only nice clubs that we, we've played at so far. So yeah, the courts have been great. Um, when you say that, uh, you know, my gain experience um, on, on, these, on these courts, um, when it comes to like the whole travel aspect of it, because you're someone who is not used to like having years of you know travel experience around the world, what, what's that like for you? Yeah, um, every place that I get to, it's a new experience, um, something that uh, I haven't been through before. You know, going to the Lisbon airport, that was the first airport in Europe I was in, and then um, all, all new experiences, and I'm lucky that. You know, my coach and, and physio have all, they've done this many times. Um, so to be able to have them with me, one who actually lives in Europe, uh, kind of help, help guide me um, through what I'm going through, I think is really important. Is it quite ex exciting to go to all these new cities and places and see them? It, it is definitely very exciting. Um, hard to believe sometimes that I'm traveling around Europe, um, playing some of these the biggest tournaments in the world that you know I used to watch on TV um, so it's pretty surreal for me and uh, yeah I'm enjoying the experience. What's something that you still have to get used to when it comes to the traveling? What's something that is the bit? I definitely jet lag. Yeah. Um, I think that that's something I haven't experienced too much you know going across the states is maybe a three-hour difference um, but yeah getting to Europe um, trying to adjust my sleep schedule 
uh, staying up those first couple days and not falling asleep in the middle of the day, it's definitely something I need to continue to get better at. What do you do to stay up? Do you drink coffee or do you, how do you do it? Uh, I usually just will myself to do it. Um, not, not a huge coffee drinker or, or, or caffeine. Um, but yeah, every once in a while I, I will drink something to, to try to keep me, uh, keep me awake maybe before practice. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com. It's fair to say that former Madrid champion Andy Murray hasn't yet enjoyed this European clay court swing with first round exits in Monte Carlo and also here. But he was still happy to answer fans' questions for ATP Uncovered. Okay, first question is, who's your kid's favorite tennis player uh, besides you, of course? My kids don't know any tennis players. They don't watch um, or follow at all, um, unfortunately. So I don't have, don't have an answer to that. Maybe, maybe my brother, they're probably the only other one that they, they know. Messi or Ronaldo? Um, it's a good question. I think after the World Cup, I got to go with Messi. Okay, if you're stuck in an island with someone from the tour, who would you pick and why? Yeah, I'd need someone resourceful to get me off the island, but also I'd want someone to keep me entertained as well. So I'm, I'm going to go with Gail Monfils. He's a fun guy to be around, uh, always entertaining, so I'll take him. What was his favourite Beatles song? I'm going to go with Let It Be. I really like that song, so I'll go with Let It Be. Is there any title you haven't won yet that you really want to win before you retire? Uh, yeah, there's a few. The Australian Open would probably be one of them. French Open. Yeah, on the tour, I mean, the Indian Wells. I uh, always loved the tournament, always enjoyed coming back. Um, so yeah, on the ATP tour, it'd probably be Indian Wells. Do you still play PlayStation? What games? Um, I haven't played PlayStation for a good few years, so no, I don't play anymore, sorry. I think since I had kids, just no uh, no time, I couldn't get away with spending 45 minutes on the PlayStation when the kids are around and stopped traveling with, I stopped traveling with the PlayStation and then, yeah, I haven't played it. So maybe when my kids get into it, I'll start, start again. What Scottish dish should I try? I'm gonna answer a different question and which dish sh shouldn't you try? And, the, we have a, it's a bit of a myth, but it, it is sold in the odd sort of chip shop, is uh, fried Mars bars, um, and it's horrendous. Do you think you would ever fancy coming on a podcast ded dedicated to you at all? Because if so, uh, <laughs> I'm not anti, I'm not anti, I just, I've, I've never really done any podcasts before. I'm just not, a hu I, I don't listen to that many and I don't enjoy chatting um, <laughs> that much, so uh, it's certainly about myself. So I'm not. Wouldn't say never. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, what's your favorite album right now? I don't have my favorite album. I don't really listen to many many albums. I more listen to like songs um, and stuff. And one of the songs that I like, I've been listening to quite a lot. I end up listening to quite a lot of kids' music um, now. Is uh, it's a Shakira song, and it the lyrics are like like I will try everything, or I can't I can't remember the exact the exact lyrics, but it's a Sh Shakira song. Um, 
which which I really like. So that's what I've been listening Try to. Try anything. There you go. And that's it. That's it. How how are those fan questions for you? Yeah, good. Good mix. I don't know how well I did at answering them, though. I sort of answered my own questions on like three of them, but um, yeah, they're good questions. The great Andy Murray. Another player who bowed out in the first round, although a lot less experienced than Andy Murray, was 19-year-old Jordanian wildcard Abdullah Shelbe. I spoke with him and he was pretty excited earlier in the week. So, yeah, I'm not a very big guy, so I guess I don't rely that much on my, my power. So I try to use my, my hands, um, the, lefty the lefty style a lot, and uh, try to come forward to the net. That's where I feel uh, most, uh, most comfortable at. And uh, yeah, so as I said, I'm not a big guy, so I, I kind of also rely on, on my movement uh, on court. And you're at the Rafa Nadal Academy in Mallorca. What's that been like for you to go from Jordan, where you're from, and all of a sudden you're surrounded by these great players, um, but also obviously with the Nadal dynasty there too? Yeah, of course. Uh, it was uh, something also special for me to kind of uh, live at a place where my uh, my idol Rafa uh, lives and be able to practice with him many times and like kind of live different lifestyle. I would say uh, more dedicated to tennis. And uh, of course, that helped me uh, throughout the years in uh, my tennis career and even my social life uh, in general. So, um, yeah, I, I was able to balance school as well as it's like an important thing for, my, for myself and for my family and, um, and as well as tennis. So I got a great opportunity joining the academy and uh, yeah, I'm still there. It's been a couple of years already, so uh, yeah, to be able to to live there is uh, something that uh, I would not really replace. What's the biggest lesson you've learned there? That's a very good question. I would say enjoy the moment, not live in the present, live in the present because uh, you don't know what the future has for you and uh, things can change from one day to another and uh, that's something I've lived kind of um, for the past years of my life and so yeah that's the uh, main advice I would say. And just finally, how aware of you are you of the, I guess, the responsibility for the whole region in a way, the North African and Middle Eastern region? We've had, you know, Ons is obviously there. You've had Malik Jaziri. Do you really feel like you're out there for the region? I mean, I try to not put too much pressure on myself, but I mean, having, as you said, Ons Jabber, Malik Jaziri, and now Ons Jabber actually being one of the best in the world is something very inspiring for me. Um, as I also had the, the same coach as her before, so it's like it's like something that pushes me forward and like motivates me. I know she's been through a lot, for example, and like honestly, to see uh, more Arabic players come uh, come to the tour is something very special. And uh, I hope I can uh, reach uh, the the heights that Ons Jabber <laughs> reached and even more, hopefully. Abdella Shelbe, one for the future. Time for a change of focus now with David Witt, the coach of women's world number three, Jessica Pagula. Witt formerly worked with Venus Williams, and he likes how these mixed tournaments allow the men and the women to mingle and even practice together. For example, with Francis Tiafoe, as he told Candy Reid. 
we hit with Francis one time and we kind of see different players and they're always making wise cracks at each other about <laughs> hitting and you know I think it's good for both of them because uh, you know when you're warming up for like 30 minutes or getting a hit you know Francis is so uh, happy and just kind of happy-go-lucky and it kind of helps uh, let Jess know that you gotta have you know you can't you don't have to always be so serious but then at the same time just makes him be more serious so it's kind of a they bounce off of each other yeah, yeah. I read that uh, she said she helps him sort of focus focus on exactly yeah for sure is that uh, does that help you when she's hitting with someone who obviously hits the ball a little bit harder than the players that Jess is playing against maybe not harder but definitely with more rotation does that help her game when she comes to the matches I think so because her intensity as far as being quicker with her turns quicker with her footwork you know um, not more focused but you know kind of the intensity of more focused Mm -hmm. at you know trying to shorten everything and um, hitting a clean ball every time and you know it's always good because they want to you know I'm not going to lose a point to to the guys and you know vice versa so it's fun. (laughs) Do you find with all your playing and coaching experience that you're still learning about the game? I think you never stop learning Um, I think you see stuff every day Uh, you learn stuff every day you try to you know see somebody that hits a shot or maybe maybe you need to add to your you know your game um I don't think you can ever stop learning. So it's it's good to watch a lot of matches and talk about a lot of matches with strategy, and and I th- that's how players get better. Do you pick out anybody in particular that you sort of want to pick their brains and uh, you know maybe ask what they're doing? Is that something that all the coaches are working on? Yeah, I think just strategy. I mean, a, a lot of the guys' matches we watch, it's, you know, huge serves. But, you know, once they get into the rallies, the strategy is so important. And it's not so many winners involved. It's more, you know, like a chess match or a boxing match. And you got to wait to take your opportunity to kind of knock them out and go for the big shot. Um women's tennis is getting more and more um like that the strategy but you do see players going for maybe some uh lower percentage shots and that's where i think the unforced errors come in so you know that's something we're always working on shot selection um when you're in the offensive or defensive or the kind of a neutralizing ball to get you back into the point it's always good to work on Um, I presume the game in your eyes has changed an awful lot since you started working with Venus and then now working with Jesse Pagula. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, she had a big serve, a big game, loved uh, coming forward, hitting the ball hard. Um, Nowadays, I think it's more, um, well, the depth of tennis has gotten a lot stronger and a lot better and the girls are stronger physically. So it's it's tough to go out there, and uh, you really have to a little more strategy involved, I think, and you just have to go toe to toe with some of them until you know maybe you you find something and and it cracks and you get more enforced errors. Yeah, it's always fascinating just looking at major champions or champions at any level, really. Why they're that much better than the rest? Is that something you've now worked out working with two really really good players? It's tough because now, you know, on any given day, if you don't come, you know, 100% or something's bothering you, it's going to be a rough day, especially, you know, 
it used to be from the quarters on and now it's you know from the first, first or second round, round. <laughs> yeah. and if you're not ready to play you know the person that's ranked 30 40 50 even 75 can beat you on that day so you really got to come you know you might not be playing your best tennis and i think that's that's what separates probably the top 20 from somebody ranked 100 on their when they're not playing their best tennis you know they find a way to win and i do believe that you know 75 percent of the time you go out there you're not playing your best tennis and one out of every four you're it's like you're in the zone and it's the other three times you just have to figure out a way to win I remember Andy Murray saying that in all his uh, time playing tennis that he remembers five perfect matches where he just played beautifully. And that just seems unbelievable to the rest of us. Uh, so let's just say Jess isn't feeling that great. You can tell she's a bit on edge. How do you settle her down? And do you have that sense when she's not feeling great? Well, I think you can sense from maybe you can body language or maybe being negative or, you know, letting things bother you. Um, you know, eat little stuff that bothers you. But um, I think you just got to try to stay motivated for your player, you know, go point by point, and it can switch really quick. You know, you can be playing bad for 20 minutes and then something – you know, if you hang in there long enough, maybe the other player, it switches with them. They're not playing that great, and then you're playing great. And that's the whole competitive part of it when you're out there. You just got to keep fighting, and you just never know when, when it's going to switch, and you got to keep your focus. Well, looking back, when you started working with Jess, how much has her game moved on and evolved? Well, I mean, I think she hit the ball incredible um, already when we started working together. Um, you know, I think her confidence and her belief uh, wasn't really there. I think that's a big part of getting her to on the way to where she is now is believing that she can beat every player out there, believing in herself and believing that she belongs on the tour and not just on the tour, but as a top player. Um, and then, you know, then just working on everything we talked about. The She had all the shots it's just a matter of working on them more and more to make them better and the defense and you know the volleys at the net which you know we're constantly working on you know like when I grew up as a kid you know my dad did you hit a bucket of serves today you know it only takes 15 minutes it's one of those things and it's it's the boring things I think that make you better you can sit there and hit million forehands and backhands but it's the simple things maybe working on your toss on your serve working on your leg bend um working on easy volleys because you know like sometimes matches come down to that one volley like man if i would have made that one volley i would have won the set instead of losing the set great to hear from david witt coach of jessica pagula thanks to him and all of our guests this week. Join me next time when we will round up events from Madrid and look ahead already to the next ATP Masters 1000 in Rome. Remember, you can watch all the action live on Tennis TV. You can get all the scores on the ATP WTA Live app and you can find all the latest news at atptour.com. I'm Seb Lozier. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the tennis. <laughs>